Welcome to Through the Bible in a Year with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Through the Bible in a Year with Pastor John. So glad you could join me today to get a portion of God's Word. Today we're going to begin with Day 70, March 10th, Judges, chapters 9 to 12, Gideon's son and six judges. Overview. Abimelech, Gideon's son by a concubine, is never called a judge, though he sets himself up as king and murders his 70 brothers. As Jotham, the only surviving brother, predicts, Abimelech dies as violently as he lived. The brief records of two minor judges, Tola and Jer, are followed by a lengthy treatment of Jephthah in the days of oppression by the Philistines and Ammonites. In contrast to Gideon, who sought to appease the tribe of Ephraim, Jephthah ends up going to war against them. His action-filled reign as judge is often remembered for his presumptuous vow, which seals forever the fate of his virgin daughter. The section closes with a brief look at three other minor judges who are most noteworthy for their enormous families. Chapter 9, God's Retribution, Abimelech. Chapter 10, God's Rebuke, Tola, Jer. Chapter 11, Jephthah's Vow. Chapter 12, Jephthah's Vengeance. Jephthah and Three Other Judges. Insight. The Call of a Leader. Judges, chapter 9, 22 to 25. The story of Abimelech's father, Gideon, began with God calling him as a deliverer. But God is not even mentioned in Abimelech's story until God creates a division that will result in Abimelech's downfall. Gideon was appointed by God, but Abimelech appointed himself. The consequences of a self-imposed leader were disastrous. Insight. A deadly slip of the tongue. Judges 12, 5-6. The 42,000 Ephraimites Jephthah slaughtered were identified by the fact that they said Shibboleth instead of Shibboleth. Chapter 12, verse 5-6. They aren't the only ones in scripture who were betrayed by an accent. When Peter was in the high priest's courtyard the night Jesus was arrested, he was accused of being a follower of Jesus because of his Galilean speech. Matthew 26, verse 73. Judges, chapter 9. Abimelech rules over Shechem. One day, Gideon's son Abimelech went to Shechem to visit his uncles, his mother's brothers. He said to them, and to the rest of his mother's family, Ask the leading citizens of Shechem whether they want to be ruled by all seventy of Gideon's sons or by one man. And remember that I am your own flesh and blood. So Abimelech's uncles gave his message to all the citizens of Shechem on his behalf. And after listening to this proposal, the people of Shechem decided in favor of Abimelech because he was their relative. 
They gave him 70 silver coins from the temple of Baal Barith, which he used to hire some reckless troublemakers who agreed to follow him. He went to his father's home at Oprah, and there, on one stone, they killed all 70 of his half-brothers, the sons of Gideon. But the youngest brother, Jotham, escaped and hid. Then all the leading citizens of Shechem and Beth Malo called a meeting under the oak beside the pillar at Shechem and made Abimelech their king. Jotham's parable. When Jotham heard about this, he climbed to the top of Mount Gerizim and shouted, Listen to me, citizens of Shechem. Listen to me if you want God to listen to you. Once upon a time, the trees decided to choose a king. First they said to the olive tree, Be our king. But the olive tree refused, saying, Should I quit producing the olive oil that blesses both God and people? just to wave back and forth over the trees? Then they said to the fig tree, You be our king. But the fig tree also refused, saying, Should I quit producing my sweet fruit, just to wave back and forth over the trees? Then they said to the grapevine, You be our king. But the grapevine also refused, saying, Should I quit producing the wine that cheers both God and people, just to wave back and forth over the trees? Then all the trees finally turned to the thorn bush and said, Come, you be our king. And the thorn bush replied to the trees, If you truly want to make me your king, come and take shelter in my shade. If not, let fire come out from me and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Jotham continued, Now make sure you have acted honorably and in good faith by making Abimelech your king, and that you have done right by Gideon and all of his descendants. Have you treated him with the honor he deserves for all he accomplished? For he fought for you and risked his life when he rescued you from the Midianites. But today you have revolted against my father and his descendants, killing his seventy sons on one stone. And you have chosen his slave's woman's son, Abimelech, to be your king just because he is your relative. If you have acted honorably and in good faith toward Gideon and his descendants today, then may you find joy in Abimelech, and may he find joy in you. But if you have not acted in good faith, then may fire come out from Abimelech and devour the leading citizens of Shechem and Beth Malo, and may fire come out of the citizens of Shechem and Beth Malo and devour Abimelech. Then Jotham escaped and lived in Beer because he was afraid of his brother Abimelech. Shechem rebels against Abimelech. After Abimelech had ruled over Israel for three years, God sent a spirit that stirred up trouble between Abimelech and the leading citizens of Shechem, and they revolted. God was punishing Abimelech for murdering Gideon's 70 sons and the citizens of Shechem for supporting him in the treachery of murdering his brothers. The citizens of Shechem set an ambush for Abimelech on the hilltops and robbed everyone who passed that way. But someone warned Abimelech about their plot. One day, Gal, son of Ebed, moved to Shechem with his brothers and gained the confidence of the leading citizens of Shechem. During the annual harvest festival at Shechem, held in the temple of the local god, the wine flowed freely and everyone began cursing Abimelech. Who is Abimelech? Gal shouted. He's not a true son of Shechem, so why should we be his servants? He's merely the son of Gideon. 
And this Zebul is merely his deputy. Serve the true sons of Hamor, the founder of Shechem. Why should we serve Abimelech? If I were in charge here, I would get rid of Abimelech. I would say to him, get some soldiers and come out and fight. But when Zebul, the leader of the city, heard what Gaul was saying, he was furious. He sent messengers to Abimelech to Aramah, telling him, Gaul, son of Ebed, and his brothers have come to live in Shechem, and now they are inciting the city to rebel against you. Come by night with an army and hide out in the fields. In the morning, as soon as it is daylight, attack the city. When Gaul and those who are with him come out against you, you can do with them as you wish. So Abimelech and all his men went by night and split into four groups, stationing themselves around Shechem. Gaul was standing at the city gates when Abimelech and his army came out of hiding. When Gaul saw them, he said to Zebul, Look, there are people coming down from the hilltops. Zebul replied, It's just the shadows on the hills that look like men. But again, Gaul said, no, people are coming down from the hills, and another group is coming down the road past Divine is old. Then Zebul turned on him and asked, now, where is that big mouth of yours? Wasn't it you that said, who was Abimelech, and why should we be his servants? The men you mocked are right outside the city. Go out and fight them. So Gaul led the leading citizens of Shechem into battle against Abimelech, but Abimelech chased him. And many of Shechem's men were wounded and fell along the road as they retreated to the city gate. Abimelech returned to Aramah and Zebul drove Gaul and his brothers out of Shechem. The next day the people of Shechem went out into the fields to battle. When Abimelech heard about it, he divided his men into three groups and set an ambush in the fields. When Abimelech saw the people coming out of the city, he and his men jumped up from their hiding places and attacked them. Abimelech and his group stormed the city gate to keep the men of Shechem from getting back in, while Abimelech's other two groups cut them down in the fields. The battle went on all day before Abimelech finally captured the city. He killed the people, leveled the city, and scattered salt all over the ground. When the leading citizens who lived in the tower of Shechem heard what had happened, they ran and hid in the temple of Baal-Barit. Someone reported to Abimelech that citizens had gathered in the temple, so he led his forces to Mount Zalman. He took an axe and chopped some branches from a tree, then put them on his shoulder. Quick, do as I have done, he told his men. So each of them cut down some branches following Abimelech's example. They piled the branches against the walls of the temple and set them on fire. So all the people who had lived in the Tower of Shechem died about a thousand men and women. Then Abimelech attacked the town of Pebez and captured it. But there was a strong tower inside the town, and all the men and women, the entire population, fled to it. They barricaded themselves in and climbed up the roof of the tower. Abimelech followed them to attack the tower, but as he prepared to set fire to the entrance, a woman on the roof dropped a millstone that landed on Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. He quickly said to his young armor-bearer, Draw your sword and kill me. Don't let it be said that a woman killed Abimelech. So the young man ran him through with his sword, and he died. When Abimelech's men saw that he was dead, they disbanded and returned to their homes. In this way, God punished Abimelech for the evil he had done 
against his father by murdering his 70 brothers. God also punished the men of Shechem for all their evil. So the curse of Jotham, son of Gideon, was fulfilled. Judges chapter 10. Tola becomes Israel's judge. After Abimelech died, Tola, son of Pua, son of Dodo, was the next person to rescue Israel. He was from the tribe of Issachar, but lived in the town of Shemar in the hill country of Ephraim. He judged Israel for 23 years. When he died, he was buried in Shamir. Jair becomes Israel's judge. After Tola died, Jair from Gilead judged Israel for 22 years. His 30 sons rode around on 30 donkeys, and they owned 30 towns in the land of Gilead, which are still called the towns of Jair. When Jair died, he was buried in Kaman. The Ammonites oppressed Israel. Again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They served the images of Baal and Ashtoreth and the gods of Aram, Sidon, Moab, Ammon, and Philistia. They abandoned the Lord and no longer served him at all. So the Lord burned with anger against Israel, and he turned them over to the Philistines and the Ammonites, who began to oppress them that year. For eighteen years they oppressed all the Israelites east of the Jordan River in the land of the Amorites, that is, in Gilead. The Ammonites also crossed into the west side of the Jordan and attacked Judah, Benjamin, and Ephraim. The Israelites were in great distress. Finally, they cried out to the Lord for help, saying, We have sinned against you because we have abandoned you as our God and have served the images of Baal. The Lord replied, did I not rescue you from the Egyptians, the Amorites, and the Ammonites, the Philistines, the Sidonians, the Amalekites, and the Mayanites? When they oppressed you, you cried out to me for help, and I rescued you. Yet you have abandoned me and served other gods, so I will not rescue you any more. Go and cry out to the gods you have chosen. Let them rescue you in your hour of distress. But the Israelites pleaded with the Lord and said, We have sinned. Punish us as you see fit. Only rescue us today from our enemies. Then the Israelites put aside their foreign gods and served the Lord, and he was grieved by their misery. At that time, the armies of Ammon had gathered for war and were camped in Gilead, and the people of Israel assembled and camped at Mizpah. The leaders of Gilead said to each other, Whoever attacks the Ammonites first will become ruler over all the people of Gilead. Judges chapter 11. Jephthah becomes Israel's judge. Now Jephthah of Gilead was a great warrior. He was the son of Gilead, but his mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also had several sons, and when these half-brothers grew up, they chased Jephthah off the land. You will not get any of our father's inheritance, they said, for you are the son of a prostitute. So Jephthah fled from his brothers, and lived in the land of Tob. Soon he had a band of worthless rebels following him. At about this time, the Ammonites began their war against Israel. When the Ammonites attacked, the elders of Gilead sent for Jephthah in the land of Tob. The elders said, Come and be our commander. Help us fight the Ammonites. But Jephthah said to them, Aren't you the ones who hated me and drove me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? Because we need you, the elders replied. If you lead us in battle against the Ammonites, we will make you ruler 
over all the people of Gilead, Jephthah said to the elders, Let me get this straight. If I come with you, and if the Lord gives me victory over the Ammonites, will you really make me the ruler over all the people? The Lord is our witness, the elders replied. We promise to do whatever you say. So Jephthah went to the elders of Gilead, and the people made him their ruler and commander of the army. At Mizpah, in the presence of the Lord, Jephthah repeated what he had said to the elders. Then Jephthah sent messengers to the king of Ammon, asking, Why have you come out to fight against my land? The king of Ammon said to Jephthah's messengers, When the Israelites came out of Egypt, they stole my land from the Arnon River to the Jabbok River and all the way to the Jordan. Now then, give back the land peaceably. Jephthah sent this message back to the Ammonite king. This is what Jephthah says. Israel did not steal any land from Moab or Ammon. When the people of Israel arrived at Kadesh on their journey from Egypt after crossing the Red Sea, they sent messengers to the king of Edom, asking for permission to pass through his land, but their request was denied. Then they asked the king of Moab for similar permission, but he wouldn't let them pass through either. So the people of Israel stayed in Kadesh. Finally, they went around Edom and Moab through the wilderness. They traveled along Moab's eastern border and camped on the other side of the Arnon River. But they never once crossed the Arnon River into Moab, for the Arnon was the border of Moab. Then Israel sent messages to King Sihon of the Amorites, who ruled from Heshbon, asking for permission to cross through his land to get to their destination. But King Sihon didn't trust Israel to pass through his land. Instead, he mobilized his army at Jahaz and attacked them. But the Lord, the God of Israel, gave his people victory over King Sihon. So Israel took control of all the land of the Amorites who lived in that region, from the Arnon River to the Jabbok River, and from the eastern wilderness to the Jordan. So you see, it was the Lord, the God of Israel, who took away the land from the Amorites and gave it to Israel. Why then should we give it back to you? You keep whatever your God, Chemosh, gives you, and we will keep whatever the Lord our God gives us. Are you any better than Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he try to make a case against Israel for disputed land? Did he go to war against them? Israel has been living here for 300 years, inhabiting Heshbon and its surrounding settlements, all the way to Aurora and its settlements, and all the towns along the Arnon River. Why have you made no effort to recover it before now? Therefore, I have not sinned against you. Rather, you have wronged me by attacking me. Let the Lord who is judge decide today which of us is right, Israel or Ammon. But the king of Ammon paid no attention to Jephthah's message, Jephthah's vows. At that time, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he went throughout the land of Gilead and Manasseh, including Mizpah and Gilead. And from there he led an army against the Ammonites. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. He said, If you give me victory over the Ammonites, I will give the Lord whatever comes out of my house to meet me when I return in triumph. I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. So Jephthah led his army against the Ammonites, and the Lord gave him victory. He crushed the Ammonites, devastating about 20 towns from Arar to an area near Minnit, as far away as Ebel Karamah. In this way, Israel defeated the Ammonites. 
when Jephthah returned home to Mizpah, his daughter came out to meet him, playing on a tambourine and dancing for joy. She was his one and only child. He had no other sons or daughters. When he saw her, he tore his clothes in anguish. Oh, my daughter, he cried out. You have completely destroyed me. You brought disaster on me, for I have made a vow to the Lord, and I cannot take it back. And she said, Father, if you have made a vow to the Lord, you must do to me what you have vowed, for the Lord has given you a great victory over your enemies, the Ammonites. But first, let me do this one thing. Let me go up and roam in the hills and weep with my friends for two months, because I will die a virgin. You may go, Jephthah said, and he sent her away for two months. She and her friends went into the hills and wept, because she would never have children. When she returned home, her father kept the vow he had made, and she died a virgin. So it has become a custom in Israel for young Israelite women to go away for four days each year to lament the fate of Jephthah's daughter. Judges chapter 12. Ephraim fights with Jephthah. Then the people of Ephraim mobilized an army and crossed over the Jordan River to Zaphon. They sent this message to Jephthah. Why didn't you call for us to help you fight against the Ammonites? We are going to burn down your house with you in it. Jephthah replied, I summoned you at the beginning of the dispute, but you refused to come. You failed to help us in our struggle against Ammon. So when I realized you weren't coming, I risked my life and went to battle without you, and the Lord gave me victory over the Ammonites. So why have you now come to fight me? The people of Ephraim responded, you men of Gilead are nothing more than fugitives from Ephraim and Manasseh. So Jephthah gathered all the men of Gilead and attacked the men of Ephraim and defeated them. Jephthah captured the shallow crossing of the Jordan River. And whenever a fugitive from Ephraim tried to go back across, the men of Gilead would challenge him. Are you a member of the tribe of Ephraim? They would ask. If the man said, no, I am not, they would tell him to say, Shebolet. If he was from Ephraim, he would say, Sabolet, because people from Ephraim cannot pronounce the word correctly. Then they would take him and kill him at the shallow crossing of the Jordan. And all 42,000 Ephraimites were killed that time. Jephthah judged Israel for six years. When he died, he was buried in one of the towns of Gilead. Ibzan becomes Israel's judge. After Jephthah died, Ibzan from Bethlehem judged Israel. He had 30 sons and 30 daughters. He sent his daughters to marry men outside his clan, and he brought in 30 young women from outside his clan to marry his sons. Ibsen judged Israel for seven years. When he died, he was buried in Bethlehem. Elon becomes Israel's judge. After Ibsen died, Elon from the tribe of Zebulun judged Israel for 10 years. When he died, he was buried at Ajalon in Zebulun. Abdon becomes Israel's judge. After Elon died, Abdon, son of Hillel, from Perathon, judged Israel. He had 40 sons and 30 grandsons who rode on 70 donkeys. He judged Israel for eight years. When he died, he was buried at Perathon in Ephraim in the hill country of the Amalekites. My Daily Walk should Christians take oaths or make vows today? Those who say no will find ample support for their view 
in the tragic consequences of Jephthah's presumptuous vow, chapter 11, 30-31, 34-40. Vows are not to be taken lightly, but the real tragedy of Jephthah's story is that even after his foolish vow, he might have been able to halt the action by crying out to the Lord to spare his innocent daughter. A willingness to admit errors and seek help is an evidence of maturity and strength, not a weakness. Is there a family member or friend you have wronged through a mistake? Admitting you were wrong, asking for forgiveness, and making restitution for any damage can open new opportunities for fellowship and service with that person. God wants you to be an open, honest person with a realistic view of yourself, one who, unlike Jephthah, is quick to admit mistakes and knows when to seek wise counsel. No one can be called mature who does not learn from his own mistakes. That's all for today, my friends. It was great reading with you. Have a great day, and God bless. I will see you tomorrow, Lord willing. Peace.